0: Hi, I'm Zach, and I'm joined by my C-SPAN classroom teammate, Pam. A little over two months ago, citizens across the country participated in the 2022 midterm elections, electing new representatives, senators, governors, and other state and local political officials. But with the midterm elections having come and gone, we're now looking to the new 118th Congress. Per the 20th Amendment, ratified on January 23, 1933, quote, the Congress shall assemble at least once in every year, and such meetings shall begin at noon on the third day of January. And with that, the 118th Congress gaveled into session at noon on January 3rd, 2023. The next two years will feature a divided federal government, with the executive branch led by Democratic President Joe Biden and the legislative branch split between Democratic control in the Senate and Republican control in the House of Representatives. With that in mind... In this episode, we'll explore a few milestones that were recently achieved in the Senate, the contentious moments during the Speaker of the House election, and how Congress may move forward with their legislative agendas in this new era of divided government. To get us started, let's listen to a brief clip in which C SPAN's John McArdle discusses the demographics of the federal legislators
1: and here's what the new congress is going to look like starting in the house is 222 republicans in the 118th congress to 212 democrats in the house there's one vacant seat today that's because of the death of congressman donald McEachin, the democrat from virginia died Back on November the 28th, a special election is scheduled in February to fill his seat. In the House today, there will be 74 freshmen taking their seats for the first time. Over to the Senate side, it's 49 Republicans to 48 Democrats and three independents. Those three independents are expected to caucus with Democrats, of course, giving them the majority in the Senate. Overall, in this 118th Congress, 149 women, 97 veterans, 18 members born outside the United States, five members with Native American ancestry. The youngest member of this new Congress was born in 1997, the oldest member born in 1933.
0: After the break, we'll be back with C-SPAN's Director of Editorial Operations, Ben O'Connell, to learn more about the 118th Congress points of interest from the first two weeks of the legislative session, and C-SPAN's coverage of the historical moments. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: Joining us today is C-SPAN friend and colleague, Ben O'Connell. Thanks for joining us today, Ben.
3: Thanks for having me.
2: Uh, For our listeners, you've recently been promoted to the Director of Editorial Operations at C-SPAN. Can you talk a little bit about your background and your role here?
3: Sure. Uh, I have been with the network for almost 22 years, Uh, 22 years in, in the next few days at some point. Uh, I started as a producer, um, an associate producer downstairs, which is where kind of our linear television product is produced from. And I have worked all over the company in the subsequent two decades. And now as a director of editorial operations, I oversee our assignment desk. Those are the people that decide what we're going to cover and how we're going to cover it. And our field department, the people that actually go out with the cameras and the microphones, to cover it. Our uh, master control, which are the people that kind of push the buttons to make things go on TV. And our studio techs, who tape all of our in-house television productions. And our newsroom systems, so the software, hardware that we use to uh, hold all of our video, audio, metadata, et cetera.
0: So it sounds like you've been at C-SPAN for quite some time and have had experience with many different functions of our organization. Um, with thinking about your experience from legislative session to legislative session, can you talk about the typical process that occurs on the opening day of the House of Representatives?
3: Typically, The House will start with a uh, a quorum call. It's something that you hear in the Senate a lot, not often in the House, but it's essentially a vote to ensure that everybody's there. And then they move on to electing a speaker. And once they've elected a speaker, the speaker will then swear in all of the members. And after the swearing in, they will then adopt the rules by which the house will operate for the next two years. That's what usually happens. Typically takes two, three hours
0: and um uh, among the other items on the agenda from quorum call to the rules which spoiler alert did not happen in 2 to 3 hours this this uh this go around um you mentioned the body electing the speaker of the house and um just as a historical and a you know, bit of a policy note i guess for our listeners the speaker doesn't necessarily happen, uh, have to be an elected official or a member of, the, of any chamber of congress either chamber so um to delve into that a little bit more let's listen to this brief clip that talks about the position uh, in the House of Representatives. The office of speaker
3: originally when it was first created, um, it was primarily a parliamentary position. So speakers, their primary responsibility was to sort of make sure that the rules were being followed on the House floor uh, and every member's rights were respected. And gradually, as parties became more powerful in the 19th century and more important, the position of speaker became more partisan. Um,
1: And so now what we have today is a speaker that's still a parliamentary position, but it's very much a partisan one as well. And if you go back to Tip O'Neill, when he stepped down voluntarily in 1986 as the Speaker of the House, he was a Democrat. He left during the sixth year of the Reagan presidency. Since then, every speaker, beginning with Jim Wright and going through to uh, John Boehner's decision to step down, has left, but not on his or her own terms. That's right. Every speaker since O'Neill has either
3: they're, they've either lost their House seat, as happened to Tom Foley, or their party's lost a majority, so they're no longer Speaker, as happened, for instance, with Nancy Pelosi, or um, they have felt compelled to resign. And so it's, a, it's no longer a position that you
0: can expect to hold for a long, long time.
2: So uh, I think it's fair to say that millions of people across the country tuned in to C-SPAN and watched the recent Speaker of the House election make its way through five days and 15 rounds of voting. So, Ben, can you talk about what made this iteration of the speaker election unique, this go-round?
3: For the first time in 100 years, the speaker election went more than one round. So, Pam, as you just said, this time it went 15 rounds (laughs) spread over five calendar days, which is not typical, to say the least.
2: As we talk about the process of how members cast their votes— Can you explain what people were seeing, like, live in action as they were tuning into C-SPAN, how the votes were cast?
3: The votes are done as a roll call where the clerk of the House or the voting clerk would call the names of each member one by one in alphabetical order. Uh, They're not doing it by party. They're not pushing buttons to register a vote silently. It's not a secret ballot. They actually stand up and say, who they are voting for.
2: Yeah, you know, and when uh, we're doing our research about this, just learning about how that changed over time, and would that be an option if the uh, members did cast their votes secretly and um, how that strategy can kind of impact the outcome?
0: So shifting gears slightly, um, you had discussed previously about quorum call with uh, the first day of the House of Representatives, um, talked about your, your varied experiences, ben, um through C-SPAN. But since I'm new to the company, um, I'm still learning a little bit about the history of C-SPAN and uh, the many great individuals that work here. With that said, I stumbled on your LinkedIn profile and saw that you served as a press secretary for the U.S. Senate. Uh, can you share a little bit about that experience?
3: Sure. Uh, Not too long out of college, I came to Washington, D.C. to work for U.S. Senator, initially as a legislative correspondent, someone who writes back to constituents who write in about issues or with problems, and uh, then moved into the press office. I was a deputy press secretary and later press secretary, worked in that body for about four years It is extraordinarily different than the House, whereas in the the House, every two years they need to readopt rules. The Senate is a continuous body. It does not dissolve between Congresses and doesn't need to adopt a new rules package every time uh, they come back into session.
0: So, Ben, you you talked a a little bit about the the difference between the House and Senate, um, and it, it was maybe less noteworthy this year um, in the the first day of the Senate compared to the House Speaker election. Um, But there were still some very important milestones this year uh, in the Senate chamber uh, with Senator Mitch McConnell of uh, Kentucky becoming the longest serving party leader in the Senate. Um, For our listeners, we'll post a video and a link to his remarks on our podcast site. But another moment that captured attention is when Senator Patty Murray of Washington was elected as the Senate president pro tempore. The first female to hold a position and who is third in line to the presidency. We have a C SPAN clip of the process in which Senator Murray formally becomes the Senate President pro tempore. Let's listen.
4: Madam President, I ask unanimous consent the Senate proceed to the consideration of Senate Res 3 submitted earlier today.
5: The clerk will report the resolution. Senate Resolution
3: Three to elect Patty Murray, a senator from the state of Washington, to be President Pro Tempore of the Senate of the United States.
5: The clerk will report the resolution. The clerk has read the resolution. And is there any objection to proceeding to the measure? Without objection, the Senate will proceed.
4: I ask unanimous consent that the resolution be agreed to, that the motion to reconsider be considered, made, and laid upon the table with no intervening action or debate.
5: Without objection, if the senator from Washington will present herself at the desk, I will administer her oath of office. Please raise your right hand. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office upon which you are about to enter so help you God. I do. Congratulations. Congratulations.
2: Considering what we've talked about so far in terms of the opening of the 118th Congress and in considering what people think about Uh, when you mentioned C-SPAN. Can you talk about the role of C-SPAN and its coverage in the House and the Senate?
3: I think most people don't realize that when they're watching the House and Senate as well on a typical legislative day, C-SPAN has zero cameras in either chamber. What they're actually watching is a government-operated feed. And in both chambers, those feeds adhere to very strict guidelines. They are in the house specifically only allowed to show the speaker at the microphone and then wide shots. You can't show individual reaction shots. You can't show members or they can't show members uh, walking up and down the aisles, negotiating with one another, speaking with one another in the back of the chamber or sitting next to one another and talking. What? a lot of people tuned in and saw during the Speaker's election was very different. And it was different because the Speaker election is one of the rare instances in which the House does allow independent media cameras into the chamber to cover the action. In this case, it was C-SPAN cameras. Every two years for Speaker elections, it's uh, C-SPAN cameras. You'll also find Other media outlets allowed in during something like a joint session, either for a State of the Union address or a few weeks ago when Ukraine's President Zelensky was in town. Uh, You'll see something similar. But again, these are rare exceptions and it's never for legislative business.
0: So outside of the rare exceptions, while C-SPAN has asked party leadership on both sides of the aisle repeatedly uh, throughout history um, to allow us to, uh, uh, I guess, have those rules changed and broadcast something other than that government feed, that static shot, um, one of the outgrowths of the recent uh, Speaker uh, Speaker of the House election has been renewed discussion about revisiting the possibility of placing our own cameras in the chambers for regular legislative business. Um, For example, Representative Chip Roy, Republican from Texas, commented on the issue during his recent appearance on CNN's State of the Union program, uh, stating that C-SPAN's coverage was, quote, a good thing for our democracy and our republic. Um, So thinking about that, um, thinking about the different proposals that have been put forth from both sides of the aisle for C-SPAN to control its own cameras, um, thinking about the letter that our um, co-CEO Susan Swain sent to Speaker of the House McCarthy – Do you think there is a viable opportunity for C-SPAN to control the cameras in one or both of the chambers moving forward?
3: Well, so I I should start by saying we send a letter every time there's a new speaker requesting that our cameras be allowed in the chamber. And speakers of both parties for decades have either denied or ignored our request. So it's not new for us to send such a letter. In fact, I. I thought this might be the first time that we wouldn't send a letter because it just felt like kind of a waste of time. But given the comments by Congressman Roy, Congressman Gates, Congressman Pocan, members from both sides of the aisle who were very supportive of us having our own cameras in the chamber, we did wind up sending such a letter. And I'm guardedly optimistic that something may actually come of it.
2: In addition to our coverage of the uh, floor proceedings, uh, we have other things that we cover, too, in our networks. Um, can you talk about the hearings or the speeches or press conferences so that listeners know there are other things besides those uh, floor appearances that they see?
3: Sure. So I would mentioned that those the, the uh, coverage of the legislative days in the House and Senate are government-operated feeds. That is not true for hearings that is not true, for speeches out off the uh, respective bodies' floors, anyway, news conferences, White House coverage, all of that is our cameras, or at least cameras that are controlled by other journalists, and we have a lot of it. Uh, One of the arguments that we have heard against having our cameras on the House floor is that we will... Somehow disrupt the nature of what they do. Um, The late Speaker Tip O'Neill said that we may show members picking their nose and scratching their fannies when asked by Brian Lamb, the founder of C SPAN, why they wouldn't allow our cameras. And, And the fact is that our crews are on the Hill every single day when Congress is in full swing, covering the hearings, covering the press conferences covering the uh, appearances of of these members. And we're not doing that. We're not playing gotcha with them. We just want full transparency. We want Americans to be able to see their legislators at work in a way that actually shows you what they're doing, unlike what one gets from the government-operated feed.
0: That's such a a critical just availability for students in classrooms across the country as they're trying to understand, as they're trying to make uh, informed opinions uh, about the many different happenings in Washington and across the country. We sincerely thank you for your time today, Ben. Um, And as a reminder for our listeners, you can access all of the programs, all the different hearings and press conferences and coverage of Congress, as Ben just mentioned, on cable TV at cspan.org, on our free C-SPAN Now video app, or on the radio. You can also follow along on our social media channels, so there are lots of ways to engage and stay informed. We'll continue our conversation and close out this week's episode after the break. We'll be right back. Thanks so much for having me.
2: Recently on C-SPAN's Washington Journal, we had American Enterprise Institute's senior fellow Philip Wallach on as a guest to talk about the history of divided government. He highlights the meaning of, quote, regular order, how it has declined over the years in both chambers— and the impact it has had on legislation and the process of working through committees. Let's take a listen.
1: Explain what regular order is, and when was the last time we had regular order?
4: Right. So regular order is the idea that um, legislation ought to be carefully worked up through deliberation in the committees and then brought to the floor and debated some more on the floor with a chance for members to offer amendments and then finally voted upon by the whole chamber. And, um, you know, the, the, the precise details of that are, are debatable, but um, we've seen a gradual decline of regular order uh, in, in both chambers. Um, we see more and more bills instead worked out by the leadership and uh, and then brought to votes with very little opportunity for, for real debate or amendment. So, um, the disadvantages of that are that we don't get that same sense of open deliberation. We may just miss things because it's, they don't get a chance to percolate through the system. It also also just changes the incentives for members in the chamber. If you're a backbencher, uh, you used to have a sense that well, I can still have a real impact on legislation through my committee work. So I should invest in committee work. I should become a policy expert and I'll have a chance to be, you know, truly impactful that way. But now, if you have a sense that the bills that the committees are debating aren't going to ever come to the floor anyway, the bills that are going to come to the floor are all just going to run out of the speaker's office or the Senate Majority Leader's office, then you think, well, suddenly my committee work doesn't seem so important, uh, and you think, really, the only way I can make an impact is to go on social media, try to raise my national profile. Uh, it's working outside of the legislative process instead. And so that's one of the central dilemmas of our, of our Congress today.
2: He goes on to offer a glimpse into the inner workings of Congress as he talked about the different roles people play, from being a behind-the-scenes workhorse focusing on the details of legislation, to the show horse who enjoys a spotlight and how that can impact how things get done on the local and national levels.
0: And in thinking about the legislative rules and goals and priorities for both parties, this term will undoubtedly offer new ideas, new debates, and ultimately new laws. C-SPAN's Congressional Chronicle reports that the 117th Congress spent nine hours debating legislation on the floor of the House and seven hours on the floor of the Senate. And each year, Congress typically passes anywhere from 50 to 150 new laws, affecting all matter of governmental and public policy. And you can stay up to date on the latest happenings of the 118th Congress in both the House and the Senate by tuning into C-SPAN's Washington Journal Morning Program, in which we host members of Congress, journalists, and policy experts to discuss the hot topics of the day, from congressional oversight to the debt ceiling and everything in between.
2: While the excitement of the new Congress may have waned, C-SPAN stands ready to provide unfiltered and unbiased coverage of the happenings on Capitol Hill. From gavel-to-gavel coverage of both the House and the Senate to live streams of hearings and speeches, C-SPAN is your source to stay up-to-date to to the actions of your legislators and the federal government.
0: You'll find all of the resources that we highlighted in this episode and more on our featured resources page at www.c-span.org forward slash classroom. And if you would ever like to connect with our team to learn more about what we have to offer to teachers and students as part of C-SPAN Classroom, please email us anytime at educate at c-span.org. And that's
2: it for this week. Please remember to like and follow our podcast wherever you listen so you don't miss our next episode. Until then, thank you for joining us.